0: Welcome to the Jongets Games podcast. In today's episode, you'll be hearing the audio from a questions and answers vlog that was recorded live on November 18th, 2020. At this point, I do want to mention that the only reason this podcast is being made is because of the direct support coming in through the Patreon campaign. Now, you can learn more about that by going to patreon.com slash games and I do hope you would consider directly supporting the channel if you enjoy listening to my vlogs in podcast form. The final thing I'd like to ask is that if you have any questions or comments about anything I say today, that you leave those as comments on the YouTube page for the vlog, and you can find a link to that in the description of this podcast. So we're going to start with Brandon Thornley, uh, and they ask, what is your favorite game to play online? Um, Well, I'm assuming you're meaning board gaming, because I don't really play video games at this point, and (laughs) I'm playing essentially all of my board games online. So um, I guess the question is really, what is my favorite game to be playing right now? and I suppose the answer to that would be Anno 1800. Um, that one has uh, had a firm grip on my brain. I've played that one three and a half times now. Uh, I guess I can stop saying half. I've played the game three uh, times all the way through, and I've really enjoyed all the plays. I've won all of the plays, although on the last play, it was uh, I won on the tiebreaker, and I'm looking forward to playing this one more. It's a really cool game. I harped on it a little bit. Uh, some worries in, about potential issues I thought I might see in the game in my impressions vlog, but uh, subsequently, I don't know. This game is The one that I want to play most, at least as far as uh, the games that I've actually played already. Uh, All right, let's move on to Mom Gamer. And they ask, How do you usually spend your day? Uh, Sure. Yeah, my days are are pretty (laughs) samey. I work from home, obviously, uh, in this studio right here. I spend most of my day in this studio. This is a a small ish bedroom in our house. Uh, Now, uh, in the morning, I usually start by having a bowl of uh, yogurt with some granola. I then uh, watch probably a YouTube video or two, like maybe 20 to 30 minutes of YouTube catching up on board game stuff and Hearthstone stuff. And then I jump into emails. Depending on how many emails I've received, it can take between 10 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half, uh, just fielding uh, questions from people, uh, fielding requests and all that kind of stuff. And then I try to switch gears and actually get into the video production part of my day, usually by about 9.30, 10 o'clock or so, it varies from day to day. And then it really just depends on what I'm needing to do that day. Uh, for instance, today so far, I answered a bunch of emails, I recorded four introduct- uh, introductions that I go in the beginning of videos, and then I uh, worked on getting a final edit out for uh, the Lost Ruins of Arnak tutorial. Uh, but other days this week, I've just turned on the camera and just recorded tutorials all day long. So um, that lasts until about noon when I take lunch for about an hour, and then I work from one until about five or six, and then I usually try not to work after that unless I'm uh, really stressed, which hasn't been the case for a while. I've been able to pretty much stick to that plan. So that's kind of how my days usually go. Uh, Next up, Brett asks, uh, I saw that you were a big fan of Anno 1800, the board game. Did you ever play the video game or did you just love the board game that much? Uh, Yeah, I have never played the video game. I've actually never even heard of the video game before um, this board game came out. Um, I don't really play video games that much anymore. I used to be Obsessed with them for a very long time, a big part of my life, but uh, I've played very few video games the last 10 years. Really, once I started falling head over heels in love with board games, the amount of time I spent playing board uh, video games has drastically gone down to the point where I essentially don't play any now. Um, so no, I, I don't have experience with the video game, but yes, uh, my excitement and love for the board game is high enough uh, for me to be just all about it right now. Mom Gamer asks, will you film a playthrough for Anno 1800? Um, I think it's likely. Uh, I purchased a copy of this one. Right now, it's only available in German, but the game is 99% language independent. Uh, I purchased a copy of this from uh, from Germany, and supposedly it's going to arrive in early December. <laughs> not a very quick shipping time overall. Uh, it would not surprise me if once I receive it, that it would win a poll to be uh, have a tutorial made from the Patreon backers. I can't say for sure, but... It wouldn't surprise me, especially considering how excited I've been that that one would win. And if it does, then I will make a tutorial for it. Uh, At this point, I have never been doing any sponsored tutorials with uh, Cosmos, at least not yet. Harry asks, any upcoming games that you are looking forward to? Um, Yeah, Praga Kaput Regni is one that I'm uh, quite interested in. Uh, That one I'm supposedly going to be getting a copy of in December, so I'm looking forward to trying that one out. Um, After that, I mean, there is definitely... There's definitely games that I'm interested in trying, but I'm having a hard time thinking of it. Actually, I have a spreadsheet. So if you give me one quick second, I can pull that up and tell you exactly what I'm hoping to do. Uh, it's, it's so easy to lose track of these things, so I decided to write it down. Uh, let's see here. I am quite excited to try out Tungaru. I just filmed a tutorial for that one, but I haven't played it. Same with The Red Cathedral. I really wanna play both of those games after filming a tutorial. I just haven't had a chance to play them all the way through. <laughs> Same can be said about Merv, which I did a tutorial for but haven't played, so there's a whole bunch of games that I have sort of seen played but not all the way through that I'm looking forward to playing with other people. I guess those are probably the three that I'm most excited about at the moment, Um, but of course there's just a lot of other stuff coming out that I'm sure I'm uh, easily missing. Oh, I guess Cloud Age, the new Alexander Fisher game. Uh, I'm really looking forward to having a shot uh, to try that one, although I have no idea when I'm actually going to have a chance to do that. Next up, Steven asks, how guilty do you feel for all the money you're causing me to spend on new games? Uh, Well, I feel 0% guilty if you enjoy the games. I feel somewhat guilty if you end up getting them and feel like they're uh, not what you expected them to be. Uh, I really do try to show what the game is like in the tutorials. Like, I'm not trying to um, fake that it's amazing when it's not or anything like that. Like, if it's a really light game that has, you know, tactical decisions and whatnot, I try not to oversell that it's strategic or something like that. So I hope people know what they're getting and get an accurate representation of what the game is because the entire idea of these sponsored tutorials is that I don't give my opinion. The game itself is trying to sell itself. So um, hopefully that's a zero guilt. I I do hope you enjoy these games that you are ending up getting. Mom gamer asks, when life gets back to normal, will you be going back to Essence Spiel? Uh, yeah, I, I fully expect to. I, I was planning on it this year. Uh, I had a hotel room booked and everything. Um, fortunately, uh, that was a free cancellation. <laughs> so I canceled that back in, I guess, it was probably May-ish or so. And I booked a room for the Essence Spiel 2021. So I do have a room booked um, if it happens. Who knows if it'll actually happen? I do hope to go. Um, It's a very long way from California. (laughs) It's a long flight. It's a pretty expensive trip overall. So that's not uh, something that I think I can do every single year, but it's one that I hope to do um, somewhat often overall because it is kind of the most important board gaming convention that happens every year. And it's also just an incredible amount of fun. Uh, I definitely miss seeing a lot of friends that live over in Europe, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen at some point in the future, hopefully 2021, but, but who knows? Omar asks, Did you get a lot of games from publishers that didn't interest you, or are you, or are not in your interests, or do you communicate with publishers to get games that fit, that are fit for you to cover? Um, Yeah, for the most part, um, I don't get games that I'm not interested in covering. Uh, Just about all publishers reached out to me first, and I actually asked them to. Um, I'm not really a fan of just getting a random game in the mail. Uh, That has happened a few times, and if I'm being honest, oftentimes those games don't get played because it'll be a game that's just not my wheelhouse at all something I don't really care about and I feel a little guilty about it because they sent a press copy and so they're you know probably hoping for some uh, form of coverage uh, and if I don't ever play it then they don't get that coverage but also I want them to ask me first because I would have absolutely said no please don't send that game because it's just not something that I like to play or at least the people that are uh, that I play games with usually like to play uh, so for the most part that doesn't happen every now and then something slips through the cracks and I read the rules and I think it's cool and I get a game, and it doesn't quite work uh, for me as well as I'd hoped, but for the most part, I think I'm pretty good at saying yes and no to those. Danielle asks, do you buy all your games you create videos about, or are they borrowed or gifted? Um, I'm not sure what the exact ratio is. Uh, these days, I would say probably most of the games I film videos for, I do not buy, uh, but I have been doing this, um, uh, this YouTube channel for I guess, closing on six years now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, over time, more and more press copies have been available to me. Um, I do still buy games. Uh, last year, I actually crunched the numbers and I spent $1,000 on board games that I bought. That is a small uh, percentage of the overall games that actually arrived at our house. So actually, I get quite a few games. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm at for 2020. I've definitely purchased a few. Uh, I bought Howler uh, as well as Anno 1800 and I spent a lot of money on Hallertau. Uh, I'm glad that I enjoyed it when I played that one online. Uh, I don't actually have my copy here just yet, but yeah, I, I do still spend money sometimes, but not as much as I used to. Uh, Raymond asks, "Do you have a game that you found difficult to play well, but you keep playing it, hoping to crack the code?" His is Tekkenu at the moment. Uh, that is an interesting question. The answer is, yeah, I guess the, the the first thing that pops into my head is Beyond the Sun. Um, that one I've played, I think, four times now, uh, and... I do believe I won one of those games, but the other ones I've come very much not in the lead. Uh, At least, I think, two of those games I came dead last. Uh, It's a really cool game that I am uh, looking forward to playing more, but there's something about it that I don't feel like I'm exactly locked in to figuring out how to play that game well. Uh, I mentioned I've played Anno 1800 three times, and I've won all three plays, so that one just seems to click with my brain for some reason. Uh, But yeah, uh, Beyond the Sun, um, (laughs) I really enjoy playing it, but... But it definitely feels like when I'm playing, I'm just having fun pressing buttons and seeing what they do and not really pulling myself together into a cohesive victory point strategy. I'm sure there's other good examples of that as well, but that's just the first one that pops into my head. Brandon asks, I really want to play tabletop simulator or board game arena, but they seem rather intimidating and I would need uh, to play with strangers. Uh, Do you have any suggestions? Well, I have... Essentially no experience with Board Game Arena. I know it exists. I made an account. I think I played Six Nymphed once with some friends, uh, but I've played closing on 400 hours in Tabletop Simulator. Uh, Steam tells me how much time I've spent inside of it. Um, And I was very intimidated by it at first. It was very clunky and hard to maneuver, uh, but over time, I've gotten very used to it, and I now make mods, and I feel very uh, comfortable in Tabletop Simulator. Uh, When it comes to playing with strangers, That's tough. I don't really have anything I can speak to there, because I have always been playing with the people who I normally play with, you know, in real life. (laughs) In pre-COVID times, we would have, you know, Monday night uh, board game nights at a uh, cafe, and now we just Play games on Monday nights, the same people that we play online. So, um, I'm not sure about what the resources are for uh, reaching out and uh, playing with more people. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a really solid recommendation for that. I do hope you find a way to do that, though. And I guess I know that uh, this week is when Board Game Geek Con would have been. It's the first time since 2014 that I'm not going, which is a bummer. Um, and I know that they are doing a BGG Con online thing, which I think is very much about playing games with other people because that convention is all about just playing games like crazy. So it wouldn't surprise me if there are some good things there to try and uh, match people up to play games, even if they are still strangers. So I would maybe poke around there and see what kind of resources they have. Mom gamer asks, "What do you use for video editing? Uh, I use Final Cut Pro. Uh, I've been using that since 2015. Uh, before that, I used uh, the iMovie. Yeah, iMovie that came with my older Mac." In uh, January of 2015, I upgraded to a new, more powerful computer because the old one could not handle Final Cut, and I've been using Final Cut since. Uh, I've dabbled with Adobe Premiere a couple times, but I'm so used to Final Cut now that um, I just don't really see a reason to move away from it. It's uh, it's something I'm very, very used to playing with. Tautis asks, do you have any plans for a top 10 2020 games? Probably it was asked, but I missed it. No, I don't think anyone's asked that yet. Um... In general, I don't make top 10 lists. Uh, The biggest reason for that is because I personally don't consume top 10 lists from other people. They just don't particularly interest me uh, amongst all of the uh, greater board gaming content. That being said, uh, sometimes a top 10 list is uh, uh, suggested by the contributing producer-level supporters of the Patreon campaign, and sometimes they actually win the monthly poll. Um, I can say for this month, there was a tie between a top 10 list and a tutorial, and I've decided to break the tie towards the top 10 list. So I'm going to be doing a top 10 uh, old games list. I'm actually going to be filming it later today or maybe tomorrow, uh, and that's games that were published in 2010 or older. Um, Now, as far as a top 10 uh, list for 2020, I've been thinking about that. Actually, I was literally thinking about that earlier today. uh, I think because I was just wondering if Anno 1800 was going to be easily the best game I've played this year, or if anything could beat it. Um, And I think it's possible. um, That might get um, suggested and win a poll, or I might just go out and do it. I'm not really sure. Uh, Some years I do uh, an annual top 10, and some years I don't. Uh, So it's really going to depend on how I feel in January or February, especially how I feel about the number of 2020 games that I've actually been able to play. So the answer is maybe. (laughs) I put out just a handful of top 10 lists a year, and that, that might be one that comes out early next Omar asks, what's a game you initially didn't like, but somehow were convinced to play again, and you realize that you actually like it? That probably exists. I've played thousands of games. (laughs) Well, I could say, uh, so... The game that is arguably my favorite game is Teach You. I've played it hundreds of times, and I remember the first time I played it, the very, very first time, uh, it was me partnered up with a very experienced player against two other people who were very experienced, like people who had already played well over 100 times. And that first play was rough. I did not have fun at all with it. Uh, That's because my partner was a bit of a grump and they were upset that I was making dumb moves, which, you know, isn't surprising considering it was my first time ever playing and they were all experts. Uh, So we got creamed and it it was definitely an awkward situation. I kept playing cards that were bad, but I didn't know why they were bad. I was trying to figure things out. Um, Ultimately, Tichu has become arguably my favorite game, uh, (laughs) having played it hundreds of times, and I still absolutely love it. So, I guess uh, I'm glad I was able to rebound from that initial uh, bad play of Tichu to realize just how much I actually love it. Alright, next up, Sparko asks, what was your experience with making Tabletop Simulator Homebrew of uh, Halartu? Oh, of making the mod for Halartu. Was it easier than you thought or harder, and was it fun? Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, so I don't actually have my copy yet, but I was able to get access to scans of all of the components. Uh, so I was able to play it a little bit earlier. And this was, I believe, the longest amount of time I spent making a mod. Um, this one probably took approximately eight hours or so to make. And I don't know if I would say making mods is fun, but I find it for some reason, very satisfying. There's something about the process of just kind of methodically working my way through cutting up all the cards and making each individual photo. I mean, Hilarto has like 350 cards, and I had to cut every single one of them out, uh, uh, move them around so that they were, uh, you know, symmetric, and then save each one individually, and then build them into a template and whatnot. Um, there's also a bunch of tokens and whatnot. So that process, which took many hours of sitting in Photoshop, just cutting things out in Photoshop, is probably my least favorite part. But again it's it's satisfying, like almost like watching a progress bar going by as you're doing something else. If I wasn't listening to good music, then I don't think I'd be able to pull it off. And actually for Halarto, uh, there were a couple podcasts that I was really wanting to listen to. So I just listened to those as I just mindlessly cut out 350 plus cards. And once everything's cut out, that is actually when it gets fun because I can import the pieces into Tabletop Simulator and start to set things up. You know, it's it's a bit of a an art project, you know, trying to figure out what's going to look good, but also, what is a good flow for the game? Like, where does this card go? Where should the board go? How big should the board be? Uh, How should I, um, you know, make this thing work in Tabletop Simulator or that? Um, So, I find all that really satisfying. I oftentimes look up from, uh, look up at the clock and realize that many hours have gone by. Just last night, I was making a couple of mods for myself, and I spent like three and a half or four hours um, in the blink of an eye, effectively. So, I don't think it's like amazing, riveting, fun, but it's it's very satisfying, and I feel really good about it. And also, you know, these are games I would not be able to play unless I made that mod. So there is that extra feeling of satisfaction of being able to present this uh, to my friends, and we uh, uh, sit down at our computers to play it. So uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm doing it, and I'll probably keep on doing it into the future. But but Halarto was definitely the longest one so far. <laughs> Mom gamer asks, are you an introvert or an extrovert, and how does that affect your channel? Um, well, I. I would say I am an extrovert overall. Um, I have always been very outgoing and uh, very comfortable in social situations with lots of people. Um, if I wasn't an extrovert, I don't think I'd be into board games because um, the thing that really kicked me down the rabbit hole was showing up to a random uh, board game night. It was about an hour drive away from where I lived. I saw it was on meetup.com, and I just showed up, and there were like 30 people there, and I knew literally no one. And I just sat down and you know met a couple of people and started playing that might have been the first night I played Tichu, mentioning that before. So not only was I new to the game, but literally no one knew who I was. I was a stranger who walked in and then was awful at teach you. Um So being an extrovert definitely helped me out there. Um, I'm not extroverted to a fault. I definitely sometimes enjoy some peace and quiet, and sometimes I can get exhausted in social situations like most people. But when when it comes to the bell curve, I'm definitely on the extrovert side, just not all the way down at the end. Uh, and I do think it probably helps the channel. Um, I think, uh, well, for pretty much my whole life, people have told me that um, that I should be doing radio. That's actually something I've been hearing since I was a teenager. Like, you should get into radio. You have a voice for radio. Uh, so I guess I have found myself in a career now where my voice is... One of my main assets, I guess most of the videos I put, is just my hands on screen and my disembodied uh, voice echoing around. So um, I think maybe my extrovertedness uh, lets me be more natural and, um, you know, easy to watch, I hope. Uh, that That might be the case, although I do watch some of my older videos, and I was a lot more herky-jerky, and, like, I tried to be a little bit more, I don't know, professional, but it ended up making me seem just, like, a little bit, um, I don't know, robotic at times, but then other times I was like, I need to be excited, and I'm like, yell at the camera and wave my arms around really fast, so things have definitely changed, <laughs> and I like to think that this is the best version of myself in Jongets Games, and I'm sure being an extrovert has helped that overall. Uh, Mom Gamer asks, what other hobbies do you have? Um, That is an easy answer. Uh, I just have board games. (laughs) That's that's essentially it. Um, I I guess to a certain extent, making mods in Tabletop Simulator has felt like a new hobby. Like I feel like I'm building skills with that and and I'm really enjoying diving into that, but that's just a niche hobby within the overall greater board gaming hobby. Um, I have been trying to get back into reading. Uh, When I was a kid, uh, like, you know, eight years old through maybe like 13 or 14 years old, uh, I was obsessed with reading. Like I, I would just sit there and read a book all recess instead of playing whatever sports people were doing. Um, and I would continue to read um, well into my 20s, but I've been having a hard time really getting sucked back into it. I bought a Kindle earlier this year and I've been trying to make reading happen. Uh, sometimes I'll read a book that, that actually does grab me and I have played, uh, have read some good stuff somewhat recently, but most of the books I try, I seem to bounce off of these days when I used to just read everything all the way through. So I'm trying to make reading happen a little bit more. I really am because um, I think it's better than just, you know, scrolling through Twitter. Like I tend to do so much. I think it's definitely a more productive use of my time. So yeah, that's my answer. I'm hoping to work uh, uh, reading back into my overall list of hobbies. Uh, all right. Rishi asks, how are things overall with life, uh, with my puppy and with my wife? Uh, I am happy to say that things are great within our household. Um, obviously. With the outer world, there's a lot of really not good things going on, but we are uh, certainly landing on our feet at this point. I, I could, I, I consider myself just incredibly lucky that I met and married my best friend. <laughs> like we, um, we get along so incredibly well, and our dog is wonderful. I'm so glad that we got Puffin. Uh, that was you know kind of happenstance. We we uh, adopted Puffin last August, and if we did not have a dog right now. We would just never leave the house, but because we have a dog, we get out and do a two-mile walk almost every single day. So that is, I think, a big impact on how I'm doing. It's definitely good to get that exercise and just force us to be outside. Also, she's cute, and it's great to see her <laughs> wandering around the house. Uh, so, yeah, we're doing well. Uh, things are going well for us overall, and honestly, I feel kind of guilty about that sometimes, but, you know, just trying to do the best we can and help people out the best we can as we are working our way through this weird year. Steven asks what three songs are your top choices to listen to while you're making tabletop simulators in Photoshop? Uh, Well, considering making these mods takes hours and hours. I think three songs doesn't really make sense. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I'm going to change your question, uh, but I will tell you what I've been listening to. Um, For the last, wow, about a year and a half, I have been... Uh, borderline obsessed with the musician named Devin Townsend. Uh, he has been a part of many different bands, um, essentially all of which he's been the frontman for, and he's written all the songs and all the lyrics and all that kind of stuff for. Um, and he has put out like 20 plus studio albums. And for a year and a half, that's essentially all I've been listening to. Um, if I've been in the mood for heavy metal, I'll listen to his heavy metal albums. And if I'm in the mood for something ambient, I'll listen to the ambient albums he's made. He made like a country western album, so you know sometimes I'll listen to that. That one, Uh, so for the most part, that is the kind of stuff that I find myself listening to. Um, Occasionally, I'll switch gears and go back to my old mainstay, which been listening to for like you know like 20 years or so since college is uh electronica type stuff you know a lot of uh abstract ambient type of electronica uh like um ifx twin and and that sort of thing so it it does vary overall but um yeah recently last year and a half um (laughs) i've essentially only listened to Devin townsend and it's great music to listen to uh to make a board game mods to if you like you know Guitar bands that, you know, sometimes are heavy metal and sometimes are more like prog rock. It's just all over the place, which is part of the reason also why I've enjoyed his music and stayed with it so long because one album is so different from the next. Next up, Will Be Playing asks any tip for someone who's about to start making content on YouTube. Uh, Yeah. Uh, My quick tips for that are um, don't invest in a bunch of equipment. Um, Odds are good. I'm going to make an assumption that you have a phone that has a camera on it. Um, Make videos of that. The cameras on phones these days are incredibly good. I started using an iPhone 6, I think, which had a much worse camera than are on phones these days. And uh, yeah, just use that export the video, and then use a free video editing software. Um, If you want to invest at all, maybe work on uh, getting a better microphone, but don't do that at first. Uh, Record several videos and see if you like it. Uh, This is not for everybody. This is a lot of work. It's a very strange thing to be making YouTube content. Uh, It seems very social, but it's not. This is just me alone in a room talking to a camera, and that works for some people, but I think for most people, it it can be quite difficult. So um, I guess that's the the answer is just jump into the pool without preparing yourself. Don't climb up to the highest diving board or anything like that. Just see what the water is like before you uh, consider uh, specializing and also just See what kind of content you want to make. Um, You know, I started out making reviews, and now I don't really do reviews anymore. Um, I've definitely changed things over time, and my vlogs especially have changed significantly over time. So um, just experiment. Try make a video, like, one way and then make something completely different the next time and see how it feels and just kind of figure out where you want to go. And uh, that was a bunch of tips, but yeah, good luck. It uh, can be very rewarding. Roy asks... Uh, How important do you think online gaming with tabletop simulator and other such uh, programs is for publishers in the current world of the board gaming industry? Um, It's hard for me to speak globally about this, but I I do think it does have some significance Um, for me. I feel like I am in a niche. Like I, again, have played Tabletop Simulator for over 400 hours. I've played tens and tens of games on Tabletop Simulator. I play multiple games a week with my friends. And I think most people are not in that situation. But as people get more and more familiar with online gaming, because that's one of the only ways they can board game right now, I think it makes a lot of sense for publishers to lean into this to actually show their stuff in a new environment. I think putting out official tabletop simulator mods and tabletopia mods makes a lot of sense. Like, let people try the game out. If you really believe in your game, then hypothetically people try try it. They play around. Maybe they play just solo to see how the mechanics work and they go and try to buy it because hypothetically your game is great and you believe in your game. So I feel like I hope that... Um, Going into the future, this is going to be more of a common thing, uh, even post-pandemic when we're playing board games with people in real life again. uh, I do hope that the prevalence of tabletop simulator and whatnot is uh, going to be here to stay, especially when it comes to board game development. But that's not really what you asked. So the the short answer is, I'm not sure what the actual overall importance will be. I don't think we'll actually know for another year or two. But for me, it's been incredibly important, so much so that I've you know built like 10 mods or so now, so that I could play these games with people. All right, Danielle Wong asks, I'm currently home with a newborn, often only have one arm free with the other arm holding the baby. Is there a board game that comes to mind that I can play with one arm slash hand free? Huh. Well, the first thing that pops into my head is a game like Quircle. Um, you know, like a tiling type of game where... You don't have to actually hold things in your hand. Uh, I guess, you know, that's similar to, like, dominoes or those other kind of games, like, games that use that kind of thing where you have thick tiles you can stand on end and just kind of move around with one hand and then place out on the table. Um, Most card games can be played with one hand if you get yourself a card holder, and there's a lot of different card holders out there, which could certainly help, but um, I think Tile-laying games like Carcassonne, that's another good one. You don't really have a hand. Technically, you only ever have one uh, tile in your hand at any given time, so you can have that face down and take a peek at it if you want to. Um, yeah, I think tile-laying games is is a really good area to probably specialize in because oftentimes they don't have a bunch of um, different mechanics and boards and all that kind of stuff around. It seems like tile-laying games, more often than not, are, are very honed in on just the tile-laying, uh, which should help for one-handed uh, play. All right, Harley says... Have you been overseas to, uh, like, to Australia? Uh, yeah, I've done a decent amount of traveling. Uh, I'm actually half English. Uh, my dad moved over to America from England when he was in his mid 30s. Uh, so the first time I flew internationally, I think I was about four months old. <laughs> uh, so I've been to England, you know, probably eight, ten times or so. Uh, most of my English family has moved to France now, so I've visited France and Paris probably like five or six times, Um, so a lot of international travel for family. Um, I've been to some other places, although not a lot. I did travel to New Zealand, so that's the closest I've been to Australia. Uh, In uh, January 1st of 2011, I I flew over to New Zealand and I spent five weeks there uh, on a hop-on, hop-off bus tour, just kind of going around both islands, and uh, had a great time. Uh, I haven't actually been to Australia. I know that's not super close, but it's kind of close. And uh, I actually met a bunch of people who were on a New Zealand vacation from their Australian vacation, because apparently there were crazy thunder and rainstorms in Australia then. So a bunch of people who were traveling just like booked a plane over to New Zealand. Uh, so I heard a lot about Australia, and uh, I'm sure I'll do uh, more traveling in the future. I've been to Germany twice now because of uh, Essenspiel, and I went to Amsterdam once in one of those trips, um, we are also Jessica and I are certainly hoping to do some more international travel soon when we can. We we're hoping to do a nice big vacation this year, but obviously that is not happening. <laughs> Brian asks, "Do all the work creating playthroughs makes you less interested in playing those games, and do you still want to create playthroughs for your favorite games uh, that are non sponsored?" Um, I would say now that I'm doing just the tutorials. This happens less. There were definitely some times where I'd um, film an extended playthrough for a particularly complicated game uh, that would take, you know, like seven, eight hours just for the extended playthrough part that would leave me a bit burned out on it and not wanting to come back to it. Um, Honestly, now that I'm not doing those extended playthroughs anymore and I'm just doing tutorials, it almost makes me more interested in playing these games. Like I said, for like Merv and uh, The Right Cathedral and Tungaru, those are all games that I've, I've just played the first couple rounds of because I just did the tutorial and I stopped and now I'm like, curious to try them again. So I think if anything these days, post that change, um, the opposite is true. uh, Making these videos more often than not makes me more interested in actually getting them played. Uh, Before that, it it could kind of um, go either way, realistically. Um, As far as wanting to make videos for uh, just games that I like, um, I do enjoy doing that. Uh, For instance, uh, when I did the Brass playthrough, well, I really like brass, so it was fun to play brass again. Uh, same with A Feast for Odin with the Norwegians expansion. I did a full tutorial and playthrough for that one, and that's one of my favorite games ever. So, um, while that was still a decent amount of work, I, I did enjoy playing it. Um, so, yeah, it, it's. I'm still playing games, even though, you know, sometimes it can be dragged out and get overall frustrating. Um, it has not stopped me from enjoying actually playing them with other people. Uh, the only thing that's come close to doing that was reviews, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I stopped making reviews a couple years ago. Ludwig asks, any board game mechanisms you enjoy that you'd like to see more of or that you feel are undertapped or untapped, I guess, overall? Um, I suppose there probably are. Uh, You know, for the most part, when a question like this gets asked, I tend to gravitate just towards the mechanics that I really like, like, you know, incentivization in games and engine building, tableau building, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, I will say that I'm like not crazy interested in playing the next big worker placement game or the next big uh, even deck building game unless there's some uh, something really cool going about it. But as far as uh, untapped mechanisms, um, I guess... The thing that I want to see more is more Frankenstein's monster games where, you know, different mechanisms that don't really seem to make sense together are jammed together to try and make a game to actually make that work. You know, in Viscounts of the West Kingdom, you have a rondelle that's mixed with deck building and also, you know, a bunch of other things going on, and I thought that was a really cool mixture of mechanics, uh, and I am a huge sucker for just mechanical novelty in games. Uh, You know, if it's just another deck builder or just another worker placement game, I certainly might enjoy it. But the thing that really gets me excited is when something feels fresh. And one way to be fresh is to just smash a couple different things in. So I guess I want to see more uh, uh, wacky hybrid mechanics games. TC says, there's been some fresh takes on deck building lately. Are there any other game mechanisms that you would find to be kind of stale that could use some innovation? Um, Well, I mean, I guess worker placement is one thing that I'd like to see more innovation on. Uh, There's a lot of different uh, takes on it. You know, sometimes you roll workers as dice and then everyone uses those as dice. Sometimes you just use them as dice and there's lots of different ways to do that. Um, It would be be interesting to see some more innovation in the worker placement field. Like it's such a a backbone mechanic that I think a lot of designs just kind of lean on it because they're like worker placement works. Let's just use that and then maybe add Some other stuff around here, some resource management, some card collection. Um, But really flipping uh, worker placement on its head somehow, uh, really messing with it, would be nice to see. I know that Lost Ruins of Arnak had some neat ideas in it where when you sent out your workers, you actually had to uh, spend uh, resources essentially as travel cost. So you might have to spend a card you'd otherwise play for something else. And I really liked that tweak on worker placement. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other cool stuff that could happen with worker placement, although I don't have any ideas off the top of my head. Uh, meeble University asks, do you stage your teach and playthroughs to make sure to make it more educational than random? Uh, thanks Stella yeah thank you so much for coming by Stella. Um, yes, I definitely stage these videos. Uh, I set everything up so that it's nice and laid out for the camera and then I usually depending on the complexity of the game um, I will sometimes do a lot of planning and sometimes I'll just wing it. Um, for instance, I just filmed a tutorial for a game called Winter Queen, which is a relatively lightweight game uh, with kind of a spatial victory point puzzle, and I just kind of launched right into it. I didn't think too much because it wasn't a terribly complicated game, whereas a game like Merv, I spent like two plus hours plotting out exactly what each player was going to do and what order each player was going to do it and where the tiles were going to be so that it was best going to show off these different examples. Uh, Viscounts of the West Kingdom was another one that I spent a decent amount of time, well over an hour, uh, stacking decks and really thinking through the order in which I wanted to teach because I never want to teach something that relies on you knowing something else that I haven't taught already. You know, in a lot of games, you go to do something and you're like, oh, this is a lot like that, but different. Well, I want to have talked about that before I talk about this, if that makes sense. So yeah, I do spend a decent amount of time that varies from game to game to try and make these as, uh, as uh, to have the best flow overall that I can. Uh, let's see. Ludwig asks or says, it seems games have been introducing more and more narrative elements lately. What are your favorite games that have strong narrative and storytelling? I especially like games that can do this passively. Um, I'm going to have a bit of a boring answer for you, Ludwig, and that is that I don't really care about narrative or storylines in games. So I don't really have a good answer for you because it's something that I don't really pay attention to. Um, I am, for the most part, a Euro gamer at heart, and I just want... To see the mechanics work, I just want to see the gears working together. Uh, I largely don't care what the theme is at all. Uh, I, I especially don't really care if it has an immersive thematic setting. Um, if the mechanics of the game really um, exemplify the thematic things that you're supposed to be doing, then I do appreciate that. I, I definitely appreciate good mechanical to theme integration, but as far as like telling a story is concerned, it's just not a focus for me. So unfortunately, I, I don't really have a, a great answer for you. I guess if I was to answer, I'd say that I enjoy Chronicles of Crime. I've played many of those scenarios, and I think those are are really uh, pretty good from a narrative perspective. They definitely tell a story that you're kind of working your way through overall. Kalix asks, Hi, John. Your 10-rated games have little interaction. Are there games with high interaction that you'd rate that high? I'm trying to get games uh, red for my wife, or oh, ready for your wife, but high-interaction games usually fall flat at two players. <sighs> yeah, I mean, that's, again, one of the reasons why I am a Eurogamer for the most part. I definitely tend to prefer indirect interaction where I do a thing that denies options from opponents as opposed to like, you know, directly interacting with them. Um, High interaction that I would rate high. I mean, I guess it depends on what you feel interaction really is. Um, I could I guess I could pull up my my games list, but uh, I'm not really, I don't want to dig into that too much. Um, The short answer is, you know, if it has high interaction, it's probably not going to be that high on my list. Um, You know, I guess there's games like Through the Ages, uh, a new story that can certainly be um, very indirect for most of the games, but then suddenly very direct as you're sending out aggressions and wars, which Tend to not happen that much, but I do love that game, so that one is is certainly there. I used to love Eclipse. I I think I still do. It's just been like nine years since I played it, and that one was certainly high on the interaction scale. Although, in both of those cases, those are games about projecting power more than actually utilizing it. Um, It's about being a threat, and then people reacting to that threat. Although, I guess in Eclipse, there's pretty much always a last round of the game ridiculous battle where all the ships kind of mash together, and you throw a bunch of dice. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm not sure if that was a, actually a great answer to your question, Calix. I mean, if if you tend to find high interactive games fall flat with you and your wife at two players, I would recommend not playing highly interactive games. That's, that's probably the best way to go about it. The only other thing I'd say is play very quick games. So if things go sideways and in a very interactive way, at least you're not investing a huge amount of time into that moment that maybe makes things kind of fall flat. Uh, I, I'm all about playing games that are fun for everybody around the table. And so that's, that's certainly the uh, priority overall, I think. Anyway, uh, Constantine asks, what is the size of your gaming group? Do you choose people to play specific games with? Um, yeah, so like the gaming group size It varies. Like there's some people who show up very rarely and some people show up every week. I'd say there's probably about six or so people that show up every single week, at least for our online plays. Before that, you know, back in 2019 and uh, before when we had weekly game nights, I'd say probably an average of about eight people showed up or the same eight-ish people showed up every single time with um, a wider umbrella going up to maybe 20 to 25 people who would show up at different times. Uh, and yeah, we, we definitely try to play specific games with specific people. Uh, some of the people I'm playing games with, I've played games with for 10 years. And so I have a pretty good idea of their tastes. So I might avoid a certain game with that person or try to play a different type of game with that other person because I know what they like. And I'm all about playing games that have the highest likelihood of everyone having a great time. Reishi says, will Roy send you a preview copy of Last Light to make a tutorial? Uh, I don't think Roy has that kind of authority. Um, I did actually uh, play... A uh, prototype of that one online with Roy uh, a week or two ago, and that was a neat game. I really liked a lot of the stuff that I saw in there, so I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where that game actually ends up going. At the moment, I don't really have a professional relationship with Grey Fox Games, but um, who knows what the future might hold. <laughs> it's entirely possible, and uh, that is one that I'm looking forward to trying again in the future. I think there's some neat ideas there. We played a three player game in just about 60 minutes, which is A really good time frame for a 4X space combat kind of game. Omar asks, uh, is there a chance you could name some non-Euro games that you actually like? Uh, Yeah, I mean, um, Tichu is one that I've played hundreds of times. That's not a Euro. Uh, Crokinole is right up there. Uh, I guess it kind of depends on your definition. I'm now going to bring up my ratings because I think that is a much easier way to do this. Uh, Well, looking at the rating levels for non-Euro's, um, let's see here. Uh, as I said, teach you, um, cruising down, it depends on what you think about card games like Arboretum and Colorado are right up there. Um, some people might think they are relatively Euro-y, um, others might not. There are a lot of Euros on this list as I cruise on down though. Uh, Wavelength is really high up there. That's a party style game. uh, concept is similar in concept, but that's also one that I uh, really enjoy overall. Uh, Liar's Dice is a game that is exceptional, um, that is not a Euro in the slightest, and uh, yeah, Crokinole, as I mentioned before, can't stop, I guess, dice games. I do enjoy quite a few dice games, and some Euros use dice, but I'm also just a fan of dice games in general, like Can't Stop and Liar's Dice and that kind of thing. Hey, Craig Zalk is here. Welcome, Craig. Uh, You asked, do you ever experience game burnout? especially after a long losing streak? Um, I definitely experience burnout to a certain extent sometimes if I've played a single game a lot in a very short amount of time. Like, again, I mentioned I played Watergate a bunch earlier this year, like four or five times within two weeks. And after that, I felt kind of okay with Watergate. (laughs) Like, I wouldn't mind playing it again now, but I definitely was interested in trying out some other things. As far as, like, having a winning or losing streak... I honestly tend to not play games that many times in a row in a confined amount of time to actually feel like I have a streak going in any way um I did have I'm not very good at Watergate, so going back to that one, I think maybe that maybe I lost a few games in a row and kind of decided I was done for it for a while uh so it does happen rarely, but it's pretty rare well, I think that was it for all the questions. Thank you so much for everyone uh but think. <laughs> Thank you so much to everyone for showing up. All forty-four of you now uh, looks like about six hundred people showed up, or six hundred playbacks came and went. So that's just really great to see. Um, I love making these uh, monthly Q and A vlogs because I love answering all these questions. I hope that these answers have been pretty good for everybody overall. And uh, yeah, I'll be doing another one of these in early December. I will announce the exact date and time in the update vlog that should be going out in early December. So if you can, then uh, try to catch that one. And uh, for now. I'm going to wrap up the vlog. Thanks again so much for coming by.